What up, y'all? <laughs> That's getting cut. What up, y'all? Welcome to Queer Walk the Podcast. I am Money, the wench who stole Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I've been thinking about the Grinch a lot. One, I'm a curmudgeon, and he just seems so queer to me. He's <laughs> very queer, right? Yeah. I really want a retelling of that story from the Grinch's perspective. Right. Because you know what really happened is like he used to go with Santa. They had a whole falling out. I didn't even (laughs) think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, I'm so sorry, Grinch. (laughs) You deserve love. You deserve better. Mm. There's there's probably a great scene of the Grinch playing that song from the emotions, What Do the Lonely Do at Christmas? He's probably listening to that. He's like, I'm a fuck up. If I can't have a good holiday season, (laughs) won't nobody have a good holiday season. All right, so solidarity with the Grinch. And I am, I don't know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling like um, a Christmas Kwanzaa queer. I'm very in the holiday spirit this year. Oh, okay. I mean, you was born on Christmas. Right. So are you really just in your birthday season? Yeah, once you said that, I was like, I think that's really what it is, actually. (laughs) You're just more excited about your birthday. That's fine. I mean, I kind of love, I really do have a penchant. For like holiday music, poinsettias, tinsel. I don't know. I just like it. <laughs> you lost me. Okay. I, what was a poinsettia? That, that little flower. The red flower. The Christmas flower. Mm. Sorry. I don't know it. I'm sure it's lovely. <laughs> Drop the intro. Drag her. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to tell everybody where they can find us? Yes, I do. You can find us on Twitter at QueerWalkPod. That's also our same handle on Instagram at QueerWalkPod. And don't forget to use the hashtag, hashtag queer, W-O-C. You can also find us on the book of faces, QueerWalk, colon, the podcast. And even though they ain't shit for taking off uh, adult content, you can find us on Tumblr. Queerwalk.com. Why would they do that? I don't like, know. That's like 80% of Tumblr yeah, is just done. Yeah. If you can't get porn on Tumblr, where the where hell can, can you, you get, get it? it? <laughs> this is ridiculous. This is outrage. An outrage. <laughs> I hope somebody storm, actually, I would say storm the offices. Somebody will storm it, then they'll blame it on us. They just, that really ruined the holiday season. Like, what? So everybody with those, you know, side blogs where you right. put all the little nasty comments, I mean, content, got to delete them. Damn. Or are they going to delete it? 
I, I think what's gonna happen? I feel like I they said keep, that they were gonna take it off. I could be wrong. I keep picturing like a Thanos snap, and <laughs> I saw that you tweeted that. Like half the blogs are just gonna you're gonna go to a porn blog and you're it's just such gonna a nerd away into <laughs> you're the soul such stone. A nerd. There goes uh, the titty. <laughs> <laughs> no, the clapping ass. <laughs> clap, clap, clap. <laughs> just disintegrates. All right. <laughs> Right in front of a Koye. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm getting into a fantasy right you now. You okay. really are. All right. <laughs> so. I didn't tell the listeners how they could reach us by email. Oh, go ahead. Because you know you like to do that. And, the, you know, y'all haven't been um, in our inbox. Deep off in the inbox as of late. And so maybe you forgot. So I'll remind mm-hmm. you. You can send us a personal missive to... QueerWalkPod at gmail.com. Yes. So that's where you can send us your Curve Chronicles, where you tell us your dating wins and woes, or is there a topic that you want us to talk about? Because sometimes Bunny and I, we don't just scrape the bottom of the barrel, we scrape under the barrel. So we need your help. (laughs) You know that like indented part? Of the um, rug when you move the furniture. That's, That's where we where are. We That's are where we are with topics. Yeah. So please, please submit something. And what's happening next year, money? Why is next so year the, so important? So we are winding down 2018. And 2019 is the 50-year anniversary of the Stonewall Riots. The shot glass heard around the world. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Marsha P. Right. So, if you would like to uh, hear from other radical queers of color who yeah. are following in the tradition of those who kick this whole shit off for all of us, that being us, Money and Nikita, you can book us for the Stonewall 50th if shit is popping off in your area next year. Right. If you're a part of a community organization. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're at a university. And you know, these universities be having these big ass endowments. Yes. So I'm just saying they could drop off. I was about to say a little something, but more than a little. Yeah, these come. universities can uh, <laughs> drop off a, a several stacks. <laughs> but the point <laughs> remains <laughs> well, again, whether it's the uh, university, maybe you have a books, a radical bookstore in your area or a yeah. community organization, and you want to hear from your two favorite black queer troublemakers, send us an email. Queerwalkpod at gmail.com. All right. (laughs) So, following on that wave, I'm going to tell you the two ways that you can contribute to this here program. You know, we some community-ass bitches over here. So, this program is sustained not just by us, but also by y'all, that community. All right. So, the first way that you can sustain us as community contributors is by sharing the podcast. Share it. Whatever you're listening to us on Come right part-tier. now. here. What? Come part here to share in Espanol. Oh. Oh, you've been finally working on that Spanish. I Mind see. your goddamn business. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> share or compartir the podcast. <laughs> Wherever you listen to the us right now, I need you to pause it for a second. Hit the heart, the stars, the thumbs up, whatever it is on right. that platform. It helps other people discover the show. Because like Nikita said last time, we aren't a dirty secret. We've been out of the closet for years now. We, <laughs> we bust that. 
We bust that door down like the Kool-Aid man. And we burnt the house down when we came out. That's what Miss Major said. There we go. <laughs> ain't, no, uh, ain't no more closets to go back into. So let folks know about us. Tweet us. Tweet us out. Um, tag us in your Instagram stories. You can do all that using the hashtag QueerWOC. The second way you can contribute to this here program is monetarily. Oh, that was supposed to be. Actually, like we want a money to... sound. Okay, wow. We should just. Uh, uh, how about you? Actually, you provide a money sound. <laughs> I, I guess that he would be. He said, "I'm protein thick. You look like a dope He made sure he put Cardi down on his grocery list. Okay, that's my money. Uh, I, I actually feel more moved by your money sound, <laughs> bitch. I'm looking like a money bag. Okay, all right. So, so you can hit us off one time. Or you can drop through several times on the PayPal, which is paypal.me slash queerwoc. That is a no-commitment way that you can support us monetarily. The second way is a commitment way. It is a small donation monthly over on the Patreon. You also get some perks over on the Patreon. I've been working hard on some things. I think the the first quarter of 2019 is going to be very lit for the yep, patrons. yep. Uh, so you might want to become a patron right now. To find out. To get that exclusive. You can do so at patreon.com slash queerwalkpod. P-O-D. And in the spirit of us being community-ass bitches, the homies over at Tea with Queen and Jay are doing a live show. Yes. It's going to be so lit. At the Green Space. At the Green Space. In New York City. Yes. And they have a really special guest. Oh my gosh. Michaela Angela Davis. I can't believe we fucking missing this. So Money and I are both devastated that we are not going to be able to go to the live show. Capitalism has us busy. So we don't want to deprive anybody else from being able to go. So in the spirit and of community and because we love them so much and because it's going to be so fucking it's gonna good. It's going to be dope as fuck. It's going to be so good. We are going to sponsor two free tickets. That's right. But actually it's kind of not free. You don't have to pay for it. But you do have to contribute to the community. Exactly. So use the hashtag QueerWOC and hashtag T with QJ and tell us how you build and sustain community. So with the, black women. With black women, yes. right? Not your trash, whatever bigot friend. <laughs> so the point <laughs> So you tell us how you build and sustain community with uh, black women and femmes. Use a hashtag on Instagram and or on Twitter. And the mm-hmm. first two people that tell us how they do that will win free tickets. So, I mean, come on. That's it's a, so that's, easy. That's such a wonderful gift. Yes. You get a free ticket, yeah. and then you can just think about all the wonderful ways that you build and sustain community. Yeah. I think that's a twofer. And you get to sit your happy ass in the room with Queen Jay and Michaela Angela Davis. Yeah. It's like it's it's like so much fun and brilliance. I hope they really have fire extinguishers on hand because it's just, it's just going to be hot. It's just um, it's unnecessary to have that much fine brilliance in one room in one but, room but alas yeah. there it will be at the green space on december 10th yeah so money mm-hmm. do you want to tell the listeners where they can listen to this here program sure so um it was brought to my attention that when you pull up soundcloud on an apple device it doesn't show our most recent episodes so people like y'all ain't posted nothing since october i'm like bitch you a lie. Um, so, so for those of you who are on like Apple 
products listening to us, we are on the podcast app. You can listen to us there. Just search. I have tried it because y'all know I don't do Apple. Um, so I was literally typing with one finger, like, <laughs> how do you work this gadget? But um, <laughs> all you have to do is type in Queer Walk and we will come up. So we're in um, the iTunes store and the podcast app. You can listen to us on Google Play, Stitcher, or my personal fave, SoundCloud. The Cloud of Sounds. Okay. SoundCloud, just so nobody gets confused. <laughs> Want to move on along, Nikita, to the Queer Walk, Queer Walk, Queer Walk of, of the week. week. All right. So I'm going to start us off with the Queer Walk of the Week because I selected her and Nikita bandwagoned. After. <laughs> oh, my God. Whatever. <laughs> okay. But the Queer Walk of the Week this week is Jewel Tice Williams. I'm, I hope I pronounced that correctly. So, y'all, there is a currently... <laughs> a Netflix documentary. <sighs> we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, and it's called uh, Jules Catch One. So just like hang on to that because I'm about to tell y'all why Jewel is our Croak of the Week. First of all, I was so excited when I like found out about her that I cried. <laughs> I was, to be fair, I was kind of like in my feelings that day <laughs> crying about everything. But... I really did because so often we get these amazing, phenomenal ass stories about like um, our queer elders, especially like older Black lesbians, and then we find out that they've They're like no longer with joined us. the ancestors. Right. But she's still alive, and that just made me so happy that I just immediately wanted to like book a ticket to LA and go meet her. But Jewel is our queer walk of the week because she is the founder of the first Black gay club in Los Angeles called the Catch One. Um, and it was also, and still is, the longest black lesbian-owned establishment in the country. In the country. The Catch One was open for 42 years. A black lesbian owned a gay club that jumped for 42 years. 42 years, years yeah. Twas lit, literally, for 42 years. <laughs> I can't even, like, ugh. It just reminds me of like talking to Alexis Pauline Gums about like black feminist miracles. It's just like, yes, that is, oh my that is God. exactly what I um, was thinking when we watched the documentary yeah. together. Okay, so a little bit of background about Jewel. So she was, uh, so the documentary doesn't do her life justice at all. So I'm, I feel like I patched work, patchworked some of this together and, so, and sort of like connected the dots. Right, right, but, right. Um, she grew up in this big family. I counted at least four sisters that she has. Um, I don't know where she falls in that like birth order. Right. But she comes from a big family of apparently uh, bomb-ass black women. And at nine years old, she started working in her uncle's convenience store. And basically like told, told herself, I'm going to like be a business owner. This is in the... Like, racist, um, you know, police uh, hostility and violence of, like, the Los Angeles area in the 40s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, right? Little black girl, nine years old, working a convenience store. So, at 16 is when she first starts, um, like, 
owning her own property. <laughs> this shit is lit. Like, I can't even believe, like, she, like this was able to, this it happened in this time period, right? Um, and so she took over her, her uncle's store. And then she started working at, like, a little, um, like, cafe type thing in the area, which she later went on to own as right. well. <laughs> Um, and people would come in that cafe, black people in the area, because uh, it's on Crenshaw and I don't what's remember the cross the name street. Of the I can't street. remember the cross street, but this is the black area, right, of L.A. Our West Coast um, listeners will help us out. Yeah, but uh, just I mean, as we see here in Syracuse, just because it's a black area doesn't mean it's black owned. Right. So this club, the Catch One, the um, the the like historic famous one that made her queer rock of the week, used to be. This white club called the Diana or yeah, some shit. Yeah. Um, and so black people would always come across the street to her and her little cafe convenience store and complain that like they they weren't allowed entrance into this club, right? Because they were black. Um, and so some examples of the things that they did to keep black people out, they would um require three forms of ID. Right. Who the fuck got three forms of ID right. in the fifties? Right. I'm thinking about right now. How, what, three, three forms of ID. Three forms of ID. I got my driver's license. Right. That's all I got on it. Um, yeah. And so she put it in her head. Again, she's not even 20. She's like, one day, I'm going to own that club. And she owns it. <laughs> so it was. She was flipping through like a penny saver or something yeah. and saw that the club was up for sale. She scraped every penny she had together, put $1,000 down. <laughs> right. And, um, you know, bought the club. And so all the staff quit on her when she bought the club. This is a black lesbian who now owns this white establishment, right? right? And I think she said in the documentary that they said as much, that that's why they they were um, leaving, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, they thought in two weeks she'll be closed. Nobody's going to come. Well, 42 years later, they were wrong. (laughs) So, you know, eventually they come around. She hires this bomb-ass, like, black queer dude, DJ. DJ. He DJed for, like, 30-plus years. Um, he had this incredible story about snatching Madonna by her hair because she was trying to go through his records. I stand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, all right, y'all. As if this isn't like dope enough that Jewel does this, this is what we of our generation <laughs> need to understand about this moment where Jewel is um, running the catch one. Gay clubs wouldn't allow black folks in. Then you had the black clubs where, like, queerness was a big right, issue, right, right? right? And so she has this club that is a black lesbian owns it and is open to everyone. Right. She's like, I'm I'm going to do that. The police are harassing her. This is the 60s and the 70s. They're doing club checks. So I had to, like, look this up because I didn't know what a club check was. But basically, it's when the police come and make sure that, like, your permits are up to date. Like, like your liquor your license liquor, and all that. All that shit. They were doing club checks for her every night at 1.30. And so that's when it was, like, most lit. Mm-hmm. And so they said, like, and somebody in the documentary said that for other clubs, they would normally do the club check at, like, 2 p.m. Yeah, yeah. Right? When it's dead. When nobody's right. there. When nobody's up in there. Yeah. But they did a club check on her when it's jumping. And right. then they're like, oh, you're over, like, capacity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, um, yeah. So, they, like, harassed her. They really tried to push her out. Um, somebody put a pipe bomb in the bathroom and, like, uh, tried to burn it down. Burn it the, down. the fire yeah. department 
wouldn't respond to and the call. Not only did they like take their time responding, but when they were in there, you know, tr- they were supposed to be seeing what caused the fire and like putting it out. And she said she overheard them saying this place yeah. should have just fucking burned down anyway. Yeah, yeah. And and she's living be- beneath it on the like ground floor. Right. So this this is her business, yes, but it's also her home. Like she put her soul into this, like so many of us do for community. Mm-hmm. Then the eighties hit. And then you have the, the AIDS HIV crisis, and AIDS crisis, right? which like not only devastates her like patrons, like who keeps right. the club open, uh, our black and brown queer folks, but also her community. Oh, like absolutely, as I heard her talking about, like half, then three quarters of the like men who frequented the space, like just disappearing, right? Like that, that love, that grief. Um, and so she turned the backyard of the Catch One. Into, like, a triage, essentially. Can you imagine the terror? Like, they knew nothing about AIDS at that time. And you just see so many people around you just, like, in large numbers. Yeah. Not just, you know, dying, but dying, like, rapidly. Like, it just, I just, I can't even begin to, like, imagine that level, like you said, that level of terror. Yeah. And just, like, deep sadness. Yeah. There was this moment where Jewel was like, you know, um... Somebody thought they had the flu or pneumonia, and two weeks, two later, weeks later, they were dead. Yeah. And so she turns the backyard into, like, this place where people can sleep. Because people were... So what also happened because of the, the AIDS crisis is that people were being outed. outed right. It's like, oh, they find out you're sick, and this has been labeled, like... The gay um, man's The disease. gay disease. Then, like, your whole family now knows that you're queer. Right. And so... Um, Jewel was like, y'all can sleep in the backyard. Right. And so turned the whole backyard into like a sleeping space. And her wife, bad bitch, <laughs> extraordinaire, Rue, opens the first shelter for HIV positive women and their children in 1989. I mean, I think this is kind of where like the documentary like really fails. Because I, oh, I, I think that the documentary if, was shit, but the story is amazing. Right. The, the story in and of itself is amazing, but it's like Money just said. It just really seems like Rue is obviously a bad bitch in her yeah. own right. Mm-hmm. And then also there's so much about Jewel that we don't, we don't like know. we don't get to know. And I just think mm-hmm. about like going back to like the interview we did with like Alexis Pauline Gums, like somebody who's just so deep yeah. and like the archives and who cares so much mm-hmm. about like uh black queer women, black lesbians. I think that the lens would have, you know, been different. A lot different. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I think there there was like a skewed focus on like what celebrities were coming through to catch one. Yeah. And I feel like all of that time for me could have been dedicated to her family. Right. Cause um I just really want to understand her her sisters. Like one of her sisters was a manager was the from, man- the, from like eighty one to eighty three. Manager this is a, a a straight black woman. Right. A straight cis black woman managing her, her like lesbian sisters gay club. And there's something about Jewel that just seems, I don't know the word to describe it, but she just seems like she's been a person who's like, someone who's just been so like self-aware of knowing like yes. who she was for a yes. long time. So it's like, one, was she always like that? And then two, like, how did she get to become that And way? also like politically aware. Because yeah. like, you know, I don't know how, but like Maxine Waters, Auntie Maxine, right. credits Jewel with like starting her political career. Right. Because of the work she was doing around, like, HIV during right, right. Um, the AIDS outbreak. Because I didn't know this 
I didn't even notice before learning about Jewel Williams that uh, when when like AIDS first kicked off, they were not treating black people. Oh, they right, were li- right, it was right. like literally like gay white people were being treated, right. and they were just saying black like you on oh, your own. I just gotta die. Yeah. Um, cause we don't know what this disease is. And, and Maxine Waters talked about like Jewel being the person that was like, no, we got to make sure that our community, our being like uh queer of color, black queer community mm-hmm. needs to get access to yeah. services. I really hope that some queer woman of color, like gets a hold of her story and does justice to the yeah. documentary, like does redoes it and like tells her story because she went back. To school to get her master's at the at age like of 56. 56 years old and got like this master's degree in like um, herbal Chinese yeah. medicine. Right. Uh, and opened up this foundation in 2001, the Village Health Foundation, which is like a clinic, a rehab center, yeah. a restaurant, a vegan restaurant. It's like this whole umbrella of stuff. And she just, I mean, oh my God. She just sees it all as so connected. Right. And I just, I feel like I could go on and on about her. I found a really good article um, on The Advocate. I will put the link in the show notes. And I also put a link to the website for Village Health Foundation. Because like I said, so many times we get these stories and they have like passed on. But Jewel is still out here doing it. 78 years old. Right. So, um, yeah. If you're in the LA area... Like, please go meet Mama Jewel. Like, please. she's, she's, wow. Like, I really, I really want to go to the West Coast now. I mean, she's just, to, she's such a treasure. Such a treasure. And I want to know more about um, Rue, her wife. Her wife? You, you know, my whole thing is about, like, how they meet. Like, right. You know, it's just and did, I think incredible. They had been together. I think she said they had been together for like 20 or 30 years. Yeah. So it means like they met, I guess if you do the math, they met like in their 40s or mm-hmm. they've been together since their 40s. Yes. I told you that because I was like, I still have time. Okay. That's that's one conclusion <laughs> to draw from that. <laughs> I know I talked a lot about Jewel, but I just, am, she's truly I mean, is she's tr- a gem. Uh, a I'm, black lesbian that's almost 80 years old. She deserves this she amount deserves of time, it. you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right, Nikita, we're going to move it on along to community contributors. Contributors. Uh, no, that's not, that's not, that's not working. Back to the drawing board on that. All right, Nikita, you want to um, tell us the community contributors this week? Yes, I'm going to start out with. Start out with your own. Look on your own note. Okay. <laughs> I was going to do that. She tried to monopolize the community again. Yeah, I did. Sorry. That's kind of Some ironic. socialist. <laughs> oh, shut up. All right. New patrons. Lots of love to Black Ragel. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I hope I am. Uh, MK and Gabby up. That's Gabby. That is so sweet. Hey. Thank you all so much for becoming patrons. Doing and- a shoulder shimmy. Okay, thank you for uh, narrating your shoulder shimmy. It's a, it's a podcast. Anyway, and we also have some wonderful notes and donations on the PayPal. The first one is from Maria. Maria says, it's Giving Tuesday, and I think y'all are simply the best. Oh my gosh. Thank y'all. Thank y'all so much for like hitting us up on, on Giving, Giving Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. That, really, that really meant a lot, because there's yeah. so many organizations... And mm-hmm. uh, podcasts and other institutions and yeah. entities, you know, that are all worthy. And, you know, it's kind of like Usher. You know, you could have been anywhere you wanted, but you decided to give to us. <laughs> and <laughs> what are you singing? That's not even the same song. 
that. Oh my God, we're never going to get another PayPal donation again. Let me, please let me finish before you continue to do whatever that was. And we also got a donation from Tanya. And Tanya says, just doing my part to support other black women. Thank you for all that you do. Oh, thanks, Tanya. Thank you so much. And we also got a healthy donation <laughs> from Shanties. So thank you so much, Shanties. You want to go on to your community contributors? No, go ahead. Do the um ones from the little Apple uh, community. <laughs> That's so <laughs> offensive. I don't know if, if I'm allowed to do this, but... So we got a review on Apple Podcasts from S. Bridgeforth. And I saw that this person liked... Our Facebook page, and it was Sharon Bridgeforth. And if I can gush for a little bit, Sharon Bridgeforth is a black lesbian baddie in her own right. She's a dramatist and just a general baddie. So it really means a lot. Um, I think she I... she squealed when she saw. I was yeah, I was so excited. <laughs> okay, thank you. Nobody need no one asked for a reenactment. But anyway, uh, S. Bridgeforth says, "I love this podcast series." Real talk, real wisdom, real inspiration. And the interview with Alexis Pauline Gums is everything. And I think I'm inclined to agree. It was. It was. It was, a, it was, a, it was worth being a long episode. I was about to say you get your money's worth. And as a patron and a PayPal donor, <laughs> you will get your money's worth. Yeah. From not just that episode, but all the ones before it and all the ones to come after. I love that. That sounds like a um a tagline. Real talk, real wisdom, real, real inspiration. inspiration. All right. So I have two community contributors that I would like to shout out. So over on Twitter, um, so African, I think I'm saying that mm-hmm. handle right. Uh, that's the Twitter handle at so African. Did a whole thread of the mental moment from episode 43, which is where I just gave like some helping. Pointers on how to check in with friends. Some like concrete ways to do it. Yeah. Because I think we say it all the time. I think around that period, there was like a lot of people who had passed by mm-hmm. suicide. And a lot of people were saying, check in, check in. And a lot of people were like, oh my God, I don't like I don't know how to do how that. Do I check or what in? does that mean? Yeah. And money gave some really concrete strategies for that. Yeah. So uh, if you would like to hear that, just go check out episode 43. And so Africans thread on Twitter. So yes. thank you so much. Also in the community contributors, I just want to give a huge um, shout out to at it's Juju Bay. So y'all know I have been on the hunt for like uh, black witchy, like horoscopy, um, astrological you know, astro- podcast, yeah, like you know shit, um, and that I found a couple, but. Um, Juju has a podcast uh, called A Little Juju Podcast. And um, so she has this hashtag called Make Conjure Black Again. I think there's also hats. I need one. I need one. But she DM'd us on the Queer Walk page and I never saw it. And when I did see it, I thought it was like a new message. Uh This podcast was there the whole time. So (laughs) I'm just like so excited that I finally like connected with Juju and like, I'm totally, I'm obsessed with, I feel like I listened to all the episodes like three times already. Um, their Instagram story is also like a second podcast, is, is very popping. <laughs> um, always trying to check that out. And so, yeah, I just wanted to give a little shout out to Juju. Well, shout out to Juju. Yeah. I also wanted to shout out K. Ophelia for hyping the intro on Twitter. So, K. Ophelia said, 
if the queer walk intro doesn't improve your mood, then nothing can. Th- that is so right. <laughs> and I have no modesty or no humility when it comes to our intro. It's the best damn intro. It's, yeah. On uh, not even just podcasts, on anything. Truth did that. She really did. Yeah. And last, we also want to shout out Amethyst. So Amethyst sent us an email and again, going back to throwback episodes, they sent us an email pointing us to a Sorry to Bother You study guide. And Sorry oh to Bother gosh. You, of course, is the uh, labor film with uh, Boots Riley, Tessa Thompson, and Lakeith Stanfield. So we'll post a study I guide. I you know like 2018 actors. That's pretty impressive, friend. <laughs> so we'll post a link to the that study guide that Amethyst sent. And you know, kind of like how people put out syllabi after Beyonce yeah. drops an album. There's some really great resources in this Sorry to Bother You study guide. And if you want to hear our discussion on that wonderful movie, you can listen to episode 48. That was my word for that episode. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Amethyst. Thank you. The, down. the community contributor section was Popping. It was so yeah. lit right now. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. I have to stop. What do the young children say? Nothing is lit anymore, is it? Um, well, whatever y'all are saying, it is very it good. It is that. It is good. <laughs> <laughs> and so, to go into keeping the community contributors segment lit, or Wait. whatever we're calling it these days. All right. That was a drum so, roll. So, if you are a patron, you already knew this for a little while. But you we have <laughs> we have Queer Walk merch. That's right. Just in time for the holidays, we have Queer Walk merch. Uh, we have two different designs. Head over to our Instagram at Queer Walk Pod to check them out. One design is the Mental Moment with Money. My personal favorite segment, although sometimes I'm not a fan of the, <laughs> the segment host. <laughs> the therapist who hosted. <laughs> I get over it. And the second design is... Glucose. The Glucose Guardian, of and I course. And like, I feel like that's an important shirt to wear because it's like advertisement. It's like, I am in the market for a Glucose a Guardian. Glucose Guardian. Give me a Glucose Guardian. And it's a great conversation piece. Someone will be like, oh, what is a Glucose Guardian? And you're like, it's a gender neutral way of talking about a sugar parent, sugar daddy. And by the way... I am looking for a glucose guardian. You see how that works? Exactly. We do this for you. And the timing is so perfect because people will be getting those early income tax refunds by the time you get it. This is strategic. This is is strategic We did this for you. We laid crucial (laughs) groundwork for you. So go ahead. We have them in black and queer walk yellow. So go ahead over to the Instagram. Look at the designs. They will be up when this episode comes out. Uh, and y'all can order. The shirts are $25. And if you become a patron, you get free shipping. Free shipping. If not shipping, it's four ninety nine. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> need to be transparent with the community. Shipping and handling. <laughs>
That you just heard is from. It's called Healing mm-hmm. by Jonathan Likes, and it's from this fire ass album put out by Black Youth Project One Hundred. Yeah, and it's called The Black Joy Experience, and it is such an amazing, sonically rich album. Um, it's just I really feel like it's it's essentially a soundtrack to like Black Lives Matter and like the protest movements mm-hmm. of our time. It like harkens back. It's like freedom songs of yeah. like the 50s and 60s, but it's Ella got was such a freedom a... fighter and she taught us how, how to fight. fight. Yeah. yeah. And it's... Marsha was a freedom fighter yeah. and she taught us how to fight. It's just yeah. so, but it's like, it's just hip, right? It's like, it's so good. It's just... I didn't know that Charlene Carruthers sings. What doesn't she do? <laughs> so it's anyway, you all should check out that, not just that song, Healing in Full, but really just listen the to whole... the whole album. I really dug it. And I wish I could say that. I put money onto it, but of course, anytime it comes to anything that came out within the last 20 years, money put, I put me her onto on. it. All right, so Nikita was concerned when she heard uh, what the mental moment would <laughs> be, but my mental moment is how do you break? And I was alarmed because I was like, do you mean like physically, psychologically? I was like, I don't know yes. where this is going. I'm, I'm going to, to help us all have psychological breakdowns. <laughs> no. What I'm asking is the opposite of what we usually do with this, like, grind, team no sleep. Yeah, I don't believe in that. Get up, work, six jobs, don't get tired, that kind of stuff. Um, And you probably can name several ways that you, like, push through. It's, you know, finals are coming up, and that's all Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about. Like, people living in Bird Library for, like, a week, you know? Like, all these ways that we persevere and, like, can't put ourselves first and, like, self-sacrifice and everything. I mean, that's cool, but it's not sustainable. Absolutely. And, you know, not to brag, but our last ep- episode was just so dope that I just cannot get out of my head that naps are reparations. reparations yeah. <laughs> um, how do you relax? How do you replenish and regain your energy? How do you break? I feel like you have some suggestions on how we can break. Funny, you should say that. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I do. I have some. Um, I'm gonna put a link uh, to some like scientifically uh, proven ways to help us. Of break. course, you are um, nerd. <laughs> I just really like it. The okay? empirical evidence. I suggests- love it because I think a lot of times people. I mean, people will say these are woo woo tidbits, you know. And I'm like, these are woo woo empirically supported <laughs> tidbits. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> I've been sitting up here in school for eight years for no bullshit. Okay. (laughs) All right, y'all. I'm going to work us up. So I want to talk about like small ways we can break in order to get through these like finals, to get through this like couple weeks before um, the holiday breaks and all that stuff. Because these are the times where you just like, 
you really feel like I gotta stay up and do this and yeah. do this work. So I'm gonna give us some small suggestions for how we can break. And then I'm gonna give us some like bigger suggestions for how to actually relax when you have time off. Okay? Sound okay. good? That all right, all right. Good. Okay. So the first thing I wanna talk about is the Pomodoro method. Have oh, you heard I know it? about the Pomodoro method. Really? What do you know about it? It's like you work for 20 minutes and then take like a five minute break. Exactly. Um, not exactly 20 minutes, but. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, I'm so sorry. So uh, the Pomodoro method is 25 5. So it's 30 minute increments. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That's important. I get it. Um, and, uh, and again, like research has shown over and over again, it has stood the test of time. I think the first time that a study was done on that method was like in 1972. So, uh, so from then until now, the most recent one I found was like 2008. It still holds that you work for 25 minutes, take a five minute break, work for 25 minutes, mm-hmm. take a five minute break that you actually retain more information. Oh boy, that's um, important. Yeah, you're you are less likely to do things like check your phone or, you know, get otherwise off task. Get distracted. Right. Because you have that five minute break to do that. Right. Okay. So I also wanted to talk about a longer method that has like recently come out in research studies on like attention spans too. So, I don't know if anybody... Because by the time I got to high school, they were switching over to blocks. But before that, there used to be these things called periods. And they were 52 minutes. Mm -hmm. Does anybody remember periods? I had periods. Yeah. So, periods, it was no accident that periods are 52 minutes. Actually, our attention spans for, like, acquiring new information and staying, quote-unquote, productive is 52 minutes. It's like, that's what our brains are sort of, like, conditioned to do. Like those first um, 20, 25 minutes, we uh, like lean in and engage. And then the, the rest of the time up to those 52, up to 52, we are like working. We're in working mode. Okay. But it's almost like there's a switch in our brain at minute 53. <laughs> <Dang>. <laughs> Pretty much. You're going to click another tab. You're going to see what's yeah. going on on Twitter. You're going to turn to your um, neighbor. Turn to your neighbor. <laughs> Yeah, so that's why periods were 52 minutes. And then, well, ideally, you would have like eight minutes to get to class in between because our brains also work like that. When you have an eight-minute break in between those 52-minute things, you can actually break. Like, you're not still... So five minutes is too short because you're still in, like, process mode of, like, kind of feeling bad about, like, being off task. Yeah. So you don't have enough time to, like, transition. But eight is, like, that golden window of like, hmm, I actually felt like I had a breather and now I can re-engage again oh. for 52 minutes. I hope all my organizing friends listen to this shit so we can stop being in 10-hour <laughs> meetings. You hear that? 52 minutes. Yeah, you know, I'm framing this around finals because I'm in um, like teaching mode. But yeah, for these meetings that be going... <laughs> Seven hours and shit. <laughs> Four hours you just getting started. <laughs> All right, so yeah, so Pomodoro Method, like I said, I'll put a link in the um, description so y'all can read more about the scientific windows of time and how our brain adjusts to them. The second thing with small breaks to keep us going um, and to help us rest, sunlight. So I've talked so much about sunlight in the mental moments. You're like an evangelist (laughs) for the sun. Have you heard the good word of the sun today? (laughs) I just, as like melanated people... Across the globe, like the sun is our friend. Everything living on this planet with a soul <laughs> thrives under <laughs> sunlight. Like the sun is just so important for us um, for so many reasons. But 
One is that it can actually help you rest. So I was reading. Of course you so, were. Journal of Marriage and Family Therapy. It was actually not in there. It uh, was in Psychology Today. Oh, sorry. Anyway. But, um. Wrong I, trade journal. <laughs> fuck you. <yeah. laughs> I, <laughs> I like to stay um, current on like new things regarding sleep because for whatever reason, that's like a really big presenting problem in therapy. Oh. So like, I don't know why. I'm, I wish. <laughs> I wish I had time to like actually like sift through and delve into that. Get, yeah. I think, well, obviously, like anxiety and yeah. things like depression like interrupt our sleep flows. But most people come into therapy like, I can't sleep mm-hmm. or I've been sleeping all day. Too much. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I like to, you know, see what's happening with the sleep studies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so I was reading about this one on sunlight. And y'all, it gave me hope because we live in Syracuse where we get very little sunlight. Yeah. But um, this study showed that people who took a break from, like, artificial lighting, like, indoors, and got just 26 minutes of actual, like, non-synthetic light from the sun slept, on average, 42 minutes longer at night. So I'm like, what? That's 26 minutes? That's like a break. I could just go outside on my break and soak up some actual light? Yeah. And I can sleep better at night? Like, what? So that gave me hope. Wow, I hope it gives you that hope here in that. Right? So it's like, what? however much sunlight you get on that little break, it basically adds double that to your good to your sleep, sleep at night. Yeah. So there, another little tidbit about resting. The third is daydreaming. So um, I love daydreaming. <laughs> uh, it's the cheapest vacation I can <laughs> But um, some like empirically supported stuff. Uh, Daydreaming daydreaming actually like functions like a muscle relaxer. Basically, it like floods our body with like calming, soothing hormones. Daydreaming actually helps our like unconscious because it like allows us to, you know, play stuff out in like waking life as opposed to like dreams. Where we're not awake, mm. it's like just our unconsciousness gets it's just, wow. It's just running wild, <laughs> right? Um, and it's like it's like a um a concentrated way of doing that, like a more contained way. Like if anybody watched like the Haunting of Hill House, it's like those little spills from, you know, the um unconscious to our conscious. And so, yeah, let yourself daydream. Can you consciously daydream? Yeah, I don't feel like I ever have like consciously. I feel like it's like when I'm like. Huh, maybe it's after that 52-minute mark and you just... Do, 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 do. Oh, maybe I should try to take note of when I daydream. Like, mm-hmm. I've never like, oh, okay, 7 o'clock, time to daydream. <laughs> well, I don't think I sit there and like, okay, now I'm going to daydream. But I sit there and I think I'm going to go into my head, but maybe that's a Virgo thing. I mean, I think as a, I think as an introvert, I think I do that. I, you know, when I daydream, uh, I do it sometimes at work. Honestly, the, I feel like that's why I mentioned introversion. I feel like I do it a lot at parties. You daydream? Yeah. Like at social gatherings, I'm like, whoop. But, so you are introverted. So that's a way that you, I don't know, re-energize. Like yeah. you feel okay in the moment. Because I'm like, I got to like, it's like a moment of me going into myself yeah. and then I can come back. Exactly. Oh my God, it's a rest. That's Bitch, the whole point you know what of you the be segment. talking about. You okay. Be knowing. 
All right. Empirically <laughs> supported. I, I am going to try to find that daydream study because I thought it was kind of cool. I just read the abstract so y'all can like deep, deep into it. Um, And yeah, so some other ways, some bigger ways, thinking about some breaks coming up. I found this post. It's super cute. It's on um, Spoonie Village on Instagram and they always post uh, like ability inclusive and Mm. um, like mental health like art and it's really cute. It's like, what do you call it? Cartoons, right? Okay. Um, and so there's one on learning how to rest. Because it's like, you've already learned how to push through. Now you got to learn how to rest. That's exactly what this mental moment is. And so some of the things that this cartoon suggested, I thought were like great starts for you to start making a list of how do you break. So one, for example, for me is like catch up with a loved one. Whenever I talk to my friends, my <clears> sisters, <throat> my mama, like I just, why are you clearing your throat? Everyone except Nikita in my life that I talk to, (laughs) like, I just feel so, like, refilled, you know? Like, oh, I can go out and face the day now. Stay in your pajamas all day. I did this the other day because I wasn't feeling well, but I, I, it really made me feel good to like uh, just lay on my couch right. and like I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. I'm taking care of myself. I have so many cute pajamas that I never wear because I'm always like, even oh, <laughs> either I'm rushing to bed because it's like two in the morning, yeah. and I'm like shit, I got to be up at seven. Or I'm just like hopping out of bed, hopping in the shower. So I'm like, I might as well sleep sleep in my towel because I'm going to have to get up and get dressed in 15 minutes. So yeah, stay in your pajamas. See if you feel re-energized or braked from that. The other day, it was like a few weeks ago, I went to the store. Not pajamas. I bought me a bomb-ass lounge set. A lounge set? I feel like a top dollar, top notch bitch in that lounge set. Did you you sit by the lanai in your lounge set? No, but I did sit cross-legged on my couch. (laughs) You you sit cross-legged a lot. Well, it's like a a a short habit. All right. (laughs) So feel free to add to this list. You can use the hashtag to tell me ways that you break. Again, not not, a bad break? Not break down. How do you rest? Like, what What do you do to replenish your energy? <laughs> um, add to the list. Use the hashtag QueerWOC. You're not going to yeah. do... You normally do a little quick rundown. Okay. So, the rundown. The Pomodoro Method. Sunlight can help you get some sleep. Mm-hmm. Daydream. Daydream. Even at a party if you're Nikita. Okay. Keep going. Catch up with a loved one. Stay in your pajamas Slash all day. lounge set. <laughs> Listen to Queer Walk. No. <laughs> I feel and relaxed already. <laughs> get, you, get you a mental moment t-shirt. <laughs> this is descended into craving capitalism at this point. <laughs> All right. So y'all add to the list. Hashtag Queer WLC. All right. Ding, 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 ding. And now... Our bi-weekly word with our womanist, worker, wordsmith, wizard, wicked. Wicked? <laughs> you better watch it, witch. Is that enough W's for you? <laughs> Nikita. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said you wanted me to cut the yeah. That's why I didn't do it. I've grown an affinity for it. Ugh. 
Yeah, sure. Shitting all over my yeah, and then you're gonna do it. That was a that was a colonizer move, wasn't it? <laughs> exactly. Stole my culture and made, and made it your own, and sold it back to me. <laughs> we do not support colonization on this uh, program. <laughs> all right. So this word for this week is ambiamorous. Some of you might be like. Yeah, I know exactly what that is. But if you're like me, I just came across this actually in a long thread. You know, I live in a rabbit hole. I was on some meme on Facebook and there was like 10,000 comments and I don't know what I was doing. And somehow I came across the word ambiamorous. And I was like, what does that actually mean? Ambiamorous? Ambiamorous, right. Go ahead. Please explain it. No, come on. You could just break it down. Um, so both. Right. Um, loves. Yeah. Okay. We're getting somewhere. So basically, it means the ability to have. So it's somebody who has monogamous and or polyamorous relationships. You look puzzled. I am. Well, let me just go ahead. Because poly just means more than one. But oh, but it's okay. So polyamorous. Poly means more than one love, and then amorous is like how you love. Mm-hmm. But it means that that polyamorous means that's the only way that you can love so like a polyamorous person isn't sometimes monogamous right this is so this is actually so this is i'm so glad you're just like basically leading us right right where i want to go so i just did a quick google search and so i saw like that basic definition right having monogamous or polyamorous relationships but then i came across this article and it made a really good point and it was like The same way we think that, the same way that we understand that sexuality is on a spectrum, Mm -hmm. right? It's not necessarily binary. And the same way that we understand gender is not just in the binary. There's like a, you know, a spectrum or a multiplicity of genders. Mm -hmm. There's there's like a multiplicity or there's like a spectrum of how we come to desire and or be in relationships, right? So they were, I was reading this article and they were making a point that, Poly, like to be polyamorous, is not as again. It's not either you're monogamous or uh, polyamorous. Because that's a binary, right? There's like a spectrum, and so there's this organization called YouGov, and it's a global public public opinion and data company. So they actually did a survey with a thousand respondents, and they kind of did going back to the point about like sexual uh, sexuality. They used a a Kinsey scale, right? It's kind of like a Kinsey scale, right? Right. right. So, so zero. For those who don't know what the oh, Kinsey scale is, put your uh, therapist hat on. Yeah. So um, Alfred Kinsey developed the scale about sexuality, with zero being completely heterosexual Hetero, yep. and six being completely homosexual. Like, only having experiences with people of the same gender. And it found through this study that most people fall somewhere around a three or four. Right. So, in this study, or in this survey where they're trying to assess where people fall uh, in between monogamy, and completely monogamous is zero, and completely completely non-monogamous is a six. And so... So, are they defining non-monogamous as different than polyamorous? How are we operationalizing these? Oh, my God. It is so funny because as I was looking for, I was trying to find out how, like, what the survey instrument Mm -hmm. was. And I was like, that's so nerdy. Nobody's going to care about that information. (laughs) It's okay. 
say. You don't and have yet. to look it up. It's just, I, I guess, um, you know, my um, my IR, IRB research. renewal went through today, and so I'm just on this like monitor operationalization. You are so funny. I was actually thinking about that, and it's and to be quite honest, it's not a, it's not exactly clear to me. And in the article that somebody wrote um, about that study, it's not exactly clear to me what a three on this scale would represent. Mm, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. Because like on the Kinsey scale, it would make sense that a three would be like completely bisexual. Like and and that that meaning like people report having like fifty percent of their experiences with people of different genders. Right. And fifty percent of their experiences with people of the same gender. Right. But like how would you have what would a three be for relationships? And so this article, the author was like um, so he even says, he's like, I don't know exactly what a three might mean. He's like, maybe it means you're monogamous with some people, but not with others. So maybe like half of your relationships oh, in your life have been monogamous. Got and like it. half of your relationships have been um, non-monogamous. So like this, this idea that I have of being part of a lesbian triad, it hasn't happened. But if it does happen, I could no longer be a zero. So you would, yeah, you'd probably be like a I'd one be like or two. A, a one or two. Damn! <laughs> Right. Just shit on my triad. Why we can't be a three? I mean, because as long as right. from what I've known about you, you haven't been in polyamorous relationships or right. non-monogamous relationships. Unless okay. unless we're about to have a big reveal <laughs> on this show. I don't, I don't know about that. Sadly. Y'all heard Curve Chronicles. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I can barely get one girlfriend. Much less multiple. <laughs> and so... Um, so in this survey, and again, we haven't done full analysis of the survey instrument to um, to money satisfaction, but according to the thousand respondents in this particular survey, that's a, a high in in the number of respondents. What is oh that that's good? That means it's yeah, like, that yeah means- that's good because I was like it's gonna be like a hundred or two hundred. It's yeah, not yeah. really like uh, valid, but a thousand is a good that's, number that's- of. Of uh, respondents. Huge number. So 51% of people under 30 reported that the ideal relationship, only 51% of people under 30 reported that their ideal relationship would be completely monogamous, monogamous meaning almost 50% said complete, hmm. completely monogamous is not exactly their ideal relationship. And that's and that's I think that's really interesting and it's especially interesting as you go up in the age brackets. So fifty eight percent of people between thirty and forty four want completely monogamous. Between the ages of forty five and sixty four, sixty three percent of people want completely monogamous relationships. And then when you go sixty five and older, you get seventy percent of people want completely monogamous relationships. And I think this is really interesting to put in the context of. You know, there was that, there was some, it was, again, it was a market company. So, I mean, kind of got to take their uh, results with a grain of salt. But there was this um, marketing company that found that, that was like a few years ago, 51% Mm -hmm. of young people, I think it was like under the age of probably like 25, 25. Mm -hmm. you know, identified as queer. There's a lot of people now who are identifying as um, non-binary. And Mm -hmm. so something I think we've talked about on the show a lot, and I think that this study about how people uh, want to uh, form relationships and what their ideal relationships are, I think it's really showing us that there are Mm -hmm. these really big changes in how we view, you know, Love, relationship, dating, mm-hmm. gender, and mm-hmm. sexuality. Wow. Uh, and it's like, we're like, we're on the cusp of like a, you know, a different kind of... A like, relationship revolution. And I'm a relational therapist who's revolutionary. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> Maybe one day you'll be on the cover of <laughs> Journal of Non-Monogamous Polyamorous Marriage and Family Therapy. Because that's what it'll be changed to. I, I think 
or oh my a God. couple and relational therapy. But if some if it's more than if it's more relational. than relational. Oh, okay, different kinds of relations. Yes. All right. Do you feel <laughs> do you feel satisfied? I do because I've thought about this for so long. Like I wish that my that I could say I got a PhD in couple and relational therapy. And I mean, with these statistics, I know it's going to be that in like 10 years. 10 years, years yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. I just thought that that was really interesting. And so, ambi-amorous. Ambi-amorous. And I saw, I don't know if it was just like this one article. I don't know if there's like a broader discussion in the, in the community. But they referred to um, polyamory, monogamy, and ambi-amorous as sexual orientations. And I wanted to know what you thought about that. I think my initial reaction, and again, I, I don't know mm-hmm. too much about it. So, I, you know, if, listeners, if I need to be drugged, then drag me, bitch. But I was like, I don't think about, I've never thought about how we form relationships as part of being a part of like an orientation, but like a sexual orientation. But I guess why not? Yeah. Um. What would you, as somebody who's getting, you know, um, who's. Who um, studies this? What's your take? Well, I actually am not thinking about it in that in that way. I'm thinking about it in the way that I first heard about um, romantic orientations. Is that what they're called? Like relational orientation. I didn't see how they were separate from sexual orientations. Oh. And it took me a really long time to understand. Because, like, people would say that they are, like... Um, Oh, I'll give Gay, you Gay, but yeah. like bi-romantic. So it's funny because when I read uh, the, when I looked up stuff around ambi-amorous, they were like, it's not to be confused with bi-amorous. But now, and I was like, what is that? And it's like, oh, it's like, you know, when you have romantic, it's when you desire romantic relationships, like with multiple genders, but they're like, that's different from bisexual, which means it's not, it does, you could be bi-amorous and not necessarily be right. bisexual. Because bi-amorous is the same thing as bi-romantic. It's like, yes, you, you, yes. Have, you have the capacity to like romantically be attracted right. to more than one gender. Right. And I didn't understand that because I am so mono, mm-hmm. I guess. Like, such a dyke, such a lesbian. Yeah. Like, all of my stuff, like, neatly lines up. Like, I I am, like, romantically and sexually and amorously <laughs> attracted to... Women. Like, yeah. Women. And so, I, it took me a long time to get how, like, romantic attraction was different than, like, sexual Sexual attraction, attraction yeah. I know there are straight poly people. Yeah. I just don't know any. And so... Huh. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that's... That's why it's hard for me to think of, like, yeah, I can see how it's a sexual orientation because it's about, like, how you form sexual relationships. So it's like... Oh. Um, but that that sort of, to me, like, assumes that sex is going to be a part of your romantic relationship. Wait, what which, assumes that? Um, To say that, like, ambiamorous? Is uh-huh. that the ambiamorous is a, a sexual orientation? Is that... You're gonna you're gonna form a romantic relationship that includes sex. Oh, I see. Um, but, but I guess. I mean, that's not that's to not, be fair. I don't think sex- that's kind of the colloquial way that we discuss or understand sexual orientation. Sexual orientation, yeah, it's like who you're attracted who you're attracted to, to right? Right. Um. So if so, yeah. So if we think about it in that way, then yeah, it is a sexual yeah. orientation. Interesting. It's, but it's not who you're attracted to; it's how you're attracted how, or how you want. How you? It's. Like, I feel like it's like relationship arrangement. You know what I mean? It is. Yeah. And to me, um, I'm trying to. What the fuck is an orientation? <laughs> you know, it's like this is the way I'm turned or like leading. It's like how it's I'm like, oriented to people. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't. I feel like this is not making sense to me. I am thoroughly 
here for being dragged. But, like, it doesn't make sense to me to talk about any kind of Amory, monogamy, poly, or ambi Amory as orientations because like how do you know that that's the relationship formation you want to be in unless you're like talking to that person and y'all figure that out because it's like you can have desire you can have a desire outside of whatever somebody wants yes i know that and like if you are a a a multiplicate a a multi-amorous person Mm. who is sexually um attracted to a mono amorous person (laughs) do you get what i'm saying (laughs) like it's very jargony Mm -hmm. which is antithetical to the segment (laughs) i'm kidding go ahead all right so for example right if i if let's let's just do a hypothetical yes let's do that all right make it concrete concrete so, um, somewhere out there, there is a magical lesbian couple that's waiting on me. Mm-hmm. How how would, like, they know that they want me to be a part of their relationship until they meet me? <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? But I think that you're basing that off of how you form relationships. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I mean, this is, I feel like the the corollary of that is, this is, it's like the, just to kind of make it like a very crude, like example. This is like when men be like, well, how you know you don't want a man because you ain't oh. never met the right one. Well, do you know what I mean? So it's like, they can, um, they can say, oh, we have the desire to open right. up, to not even open up, to, to be in relation with multiple with people, other people, abstractly, Abstract, it doesn't right. mean. Uh, of it course, doesn't. of course, when you traipse your bad bitch ass along, they like, <laughs> they like pour it out. There she go. That's the so, one. So, so you told me to make it concrete, but this is actually not. Like it, it's a matter of. So we talk about um, identity like this all the time. Like there's the desire, the desire, the behavior, the behavior, and then the identity. identity what you yeah. call yourself? Yeah, what you call yourself? Yeah. So the desire and the identity can be there yeah. without even the practice. Yeah, so I mean, like you, you can, didn't, did you, you, you hadn't had before you even touched a woman. You like, I know, I like that. Yes. That that makes sense to me. Uh-huh. I get that. Like right. I get um how gender and sexual sexuality um are experienced uh-huh. Uh-huh. and known before before even like doing it, right. acting on it. Like you can identify this way without, right. right? But I don't understand how you can identify that way about a relationship because, if you don't because experience you, you it. might you might be the kind of person to know it's like I, the idea of being tied to one person i just i i don't want that yes i can't i i can't do that i, I don't have any desire for that i get that so, so then, boom so then you wouldn't be ambiamorous so you, okay, you could polyamorous. be polyamorous. So, all right, that's one, okay, yeah, touche, that's one point. Then somebody could be like, you know what? It don't, it don't hurt. I don't mind being in a monogamous relationship. But I, there are also other times where I'm like, okay, cool. I can't, I can uh, have multiple partners. Or even throughout the course of a, of one relationship. You, you can, can be go like, from being yeah, you monogamous can be like, boom, to, yeah. you know, we marry. I mean, th- and I think that happens actually All often. the time, yeah. You've been married for 20 years, you be, and it's like, look, you know what? Yeah. We were monogamous for 20. We're going to do something different. Yeah, yeah, okay. 
I mean, I gave that, that's a specific example of the nature of, the nature of a relationship between the mm-hmm. same two people changing. Mm-hmm. Let's say, let's say you and I are in a relationship. I think what's tripping me up is like, oh, fucking binaries. I think, I well, thank you for doing this work because I don't think I had noticed until this point the binary that I had created around monogamy or polyamory. Like you either monogamous or you polyamorous. It ain't no in between. And ah, 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 right. But let's say you and I are in a relationship and it's monogamous. But the relationship I had before you mm-hmm. was polyamorous. Yeah. That would make me ambiamorous. Because in the relationship with you, and it's like you and I have agreed yeah. we're going to be monogamous. Right. And so I can do that. And I'm doing it. And you, you have the desire to do that. And you're not just... Um, I'm not... Right. Like, I'm not just like submitting sub- to, your, right, right, right. to your desire. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I wish the listeners could see the puzzled look on money's face. Because I'm thinking... You know what I'm actually picturing in my head is like my couple sessions. And like how I am so... I understand when couples are talking about adding another person... Opening up and like having open form formations of relationships, being polyamorous, and so what's what's tripping me up about ambiamorous is that like that that move from monogamous to having these conversations to in my head because because I've been doing monogamous couples therapy. Whenever those conversations are happening, they move into the poly realm. They don't ever go into this like ambi conversation, sure. yeah. Like about like you know, I've had polyamorous uh, relationships before, but I want to be monogamous with you, or like I'm I was monogamous in my past, but my partner is poly, and I'm totally down with being poly, so, and not just oh. in this in this like submitting to your partner, right, right, like, right, right, like that actually being your desire, right. Like, I don't mind if it's monogamous or if it's right, poly. right, right, right. Or and like to that point, I think we can only see it going like one way or the other. You know, so it's like either I was monogamous and now I'm never monogamous again. Right. I think I think the, that's what I think that's right. what's tripping you up. Is, yes, and like this is why. Um, I don't know. Like our stories are like so important because those are the only stories I hear about polyamory. Is like I was trying to do this like monogamy thing and it didn't it work didn't out work, for me. And this and it does. doesn't work for me. Right. It and it will never work. For exactly. Me. And so like that's how I figure out I'm poly. I've never heard. Uh, I can do both. I'm, exactly. Uh, and like not in any like real way. And I feel like we we always have this imaginary fuck boy that we go to. Like, well, if you ain't, right. that's the. I feel like I don't have any healthy. Mm. ideas of what ambiamory could be. I see. Because like like all I can picture is like, I mean I cheated on her, but that don't mean I won't cheat on you. <laughs> you know? Like, you know right. like and that's like I know that's not right. it because like the conversation that we haven't been having all throughout this is like the agreements that that, yeah. that relationships yeah. Yeah. make. Like whether you're monogamous, ambiamorous or polyamorous you have to have a conversation about that. Right, right, right. Right. I think that's 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 a good way to wrap up the segment. You at the end of the day, regardless of the relationship configuration, you have to communicate about you it. You have to communicate with one, two, ten, or twenty partners. Right. Um, so if there's a couple who's just like, Oh my gosh, I just figured out that we're ambiamorous and we want money. You haven't <laughs> um I'm gonna let that go because you haven't been plugging that in a while. So I'm a 
you know, but I, also, I'm gonna let you have that. But also, I really, I am interested to know if anybody is listening to this word this week and was like, "Yo, Ambien Marie, that's me, that's me." Right. I'm. You know, maybe in a couple of days, I might be like, "Hmm." <laughs> The, but again, the only way I can think about having multiple partners is if it's closed. So it would just be like the thruple with you three? The thruple, the quadruple. Oh, boy. The quintuple? <laughs> the octuple? That's too much for me. Exactly. Um, Don't yuck my yum. I won't yuck your yum. Or if there's some nuances can to the conversation. Can you imagine splitting the rent eight ways? What? Well, that's different. <laughs> Actually, if we're going to be splitting the mortgage or the rent eight ways, sign me up. <laughs> Take me in. So, octuples, truples. I don't think I could do more than 10. I am an introvert <laughs> still at heart. Actually, actually, I'm just going to stick to one. I, I think about all those people. I would, uh, no, 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 no. But maybe there's some, there's some nuance of polyamory or ambiamory that I'm missing and someone will be like, you know what, I'm an introvert too but I, you know, I can, I manage deal with it through X, Y, and Z. Oh my gosh, I would love to hear like an introverted ambiamorous tale. Yeah. Hmm. And you could submit that. You could submit that to QueerRockPod at (laughs) gmail.com if you feel so inclined. (laughs) Way to do it, co-host. Alright, so the topic this week so I decided since Nikita loves astrology and horoscopes okay. so much, <laughs> um, that I wanted to talk about uh, this new moon in Sagittarius uh, that's going to happen this week. Actually, when the episode drops. Oh, so I wanted to talk about it because it is actually the moon of risk taking. So for those of you who might not know like anything about like new moons, they're all about like beginnings and like like starting over, like a like a reset button. And the last new moon was in Scorpio. And so the the new moon in Scorpio is really just like a a, a Drake album, just deep off in your feelings. Oh wow. <laughs> and this new moon in Sagittarius is all about like exploring, like finding a new, and if you know any Sagittarius in your life, like adventure, um, trips, just spreading your wings, that's what Sagittarians are all about. Um, so I was wondering, friend, mm-hmm. with this new moon upon us, yeah, what are some risks? <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> You are uh, hoping to take. Um, something that I feel like that has happened this year is that I feel like my mouth is totally out of control. And I feel like I've, talk- <laughs> I've been talking reckless to people. You have. And so I feel like if I'm going to be able to uh, back up that bark with a bite, I want to do some kind of like lifting class. Wow. And it's like, and, it's, and so to other people listening, they're like, bitch, that's not a risk. Well, again, uh, this is starting to be like a sub theme of this episode, but I am an introvert and I absolutely hate doing any kind of group anything, <laughs> especially when it comes to exercise. It's I just, really amazing that we're friends. I, I, I really hate it. I want to do what I want to do on my own time when I want to do it. I don't want to do it in any kind of group setting with anybody bumping their gums at me. Because I'm like, one on one. 
So I've been saying that for a long time. And then it's like something about me that I've um, realized is I don't like to, it's not that I don't like to try new things, but I don't like to try things that I don't think I'm going to be good at immediately. That's not risky at all. So hence why taking the strength powerlifting class would be a risk. Okay, so you're going to do a powerlifting class. Yes, just so, something exciting. so I can be able to punch a Nazi. Oh, oh okay. That's important. So you could be the uh, queen of talking shit, then backing it up. Yeah, exactly. Back, back backing it up. Okay. What about you? Uh, I was thinking, like, what impulse, what passion am I going to act on? What risks am I going to take? <laughs> this is so weird, but... um. I'm actually going to take a risk and get a new car. Oh, man. Um, I feel like that is really a risk because, I mean, used cars, you're just like rolling the dice. But um, I really need a new car. Yeah. Uh, but I think driving is. with engine misfire is probably a little riskier <laughs> it's ri- it's than a risk. buying a new I than just, buying I another can't car. afford a new car yet. I so get I'm, that. you know, waiting, hoping this new moon provides abundance and then, you know. I'll be able to uh, cop a new vehicle. Yeah. What's what's so funny is that when I thought about, like, what risk am I going to take, I thought about, like, how risky I am in general. Yeah. I think I think interpersonally, I take a lot of risks. This is true. Um, and the risk that I want to take is not doing that so much. I just want to see what life is like on the other side. Other side of what? I'm confused. Of taking a lot of interpersonal risks. So, like, I'm... I'm extremely extroverted. Uh-huh. I work two jobs. I do, like, I do, I just am, like, always, um, like, putting myself out there. I am always on the prowl for, like, community and, like, mm-hmm. new friends and, like, adding this person. Right, and, right, Hi, right. how you doing? And uh, I want to see what it's like to, like, not do that and see what kind of, like, energy floats to me. Would it, would it feel risky to not do that for you? Yes. It feels, like, terrifying to me. To just, like, let things happen? Oh, okay. Bitch, yeah. I get that. I get that. Yeah. Okay. I feel like part of my extroversion is, um, like, controlling the situation. It's <laughs> okay. like, if I okay. start the conversation. It can happen on I your terms. Steer it. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Um, but to be more, like, laid back, to not be the, not be the, like, activist. The catalyst yeah. for things. In social okay. situations. Yeah. That's, I like that. It feels like a, a, a anti-risk, but... Mm. Not, but for you. For me, it's a big risk. Yeah, to just kind of let, yeah, let things happen. Mm-hmm. That's a bit of a risk. I'm, I'm nervous even thinking about it. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, come on. We're taking risks. <laughs> You're right. I thought about shaving my head. You know, I did that. Did you do it on a new moon in Sagittarius? I wouldn't even know what that meant. <laughs> it's funny because, like, my locks just started to hang. And they're long, too. Yeah. I just... That would be a risk. I would support it. Huge risk. I don't know yet. It'll all grow back. I know. It's just hair. Yeah. But I really... I do want to do, like, so many of these cute styles that I see. And they look okay when I do it over my locks, but... What kind of styles? Um, you know, like, twists and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I I see. I see. Okay. Like, braids. Yeah. I have this, um, this mermaid hair. It's like... Black to gr- dark green to light green to blue. And I can't... I, I just don't think it's going to work over my locks. Okay. And so, you know... So, if you did a shave... If I shave my head... It would... You could do it. Yeah. 
So it wouldn't be a shave. I would just cut where you the would be low. Start the new growth. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Don't hold me to that, y'all. My wrists are pretty weak. But we're talking about risks for ourselves. You're talking about powerlifting, and I'm talking about hair. And you're um, a beaming extrovert saying, actually, I'm just going to kind of like sit back. Yeah. I, that is really how I want to end the year. And it does feel scary. I don't want to do this. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, next the whole episode. <laughs> Scratch these wrists. I'm just going <laughs> to no. stay in my safe zone. But <laughs> no. I, yeah. It, to me, it, it's it's kind of like a cleanse. Like, yeah. I you get know? it. I got it. I got it. <laughs> um, what else? So this is kind of not necessarily a new risk, but something I feel like I've done that I want to continue is... I mean, I feel like our risks are really not risks. <laughs> People are like, these old bitty these, are so Right. Sick. They're going to be like, I'm going to eat oatmeal past 10 o'clock. You know, just something wild. You know, I'm going to drink caffeine at 9 p.m. <laughs> living on the edge. Um, but what I was going to say is, I think in my experience and in my life I think it's been really I think it's been really difficult for me to um, embrace things that are good and like healthy for me yes um, and so and I, th- I guess I'm thinking specifically about my my relationship mm-hmm. and I think I think I've really taken a risk uh, by just being very open. Happy. Yeah, just being very open and open to love, mm-hmm. open to receiving it. Um, and I, I think that that is, I think it's really difficult. And I think that especially when you're in low moments, I feel like that's when you want to like put your wall up mm-hmm. and just like push everybody out. But I think it's a real risk to like let somebody in. And I feel like, I feel like I've really done that this year. And I don't know, I'm, I'm very, I'm very, very happy. And I, that, I think that was a risk. It is. It, it, yes. I'm so damn excited for you, yeah. bitches. <laughs> I just, it just reminds me, of course, of this healing quote that's like, um, when you heal, you are better, like, equipped to, like, heal those around you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, so if you want to be a healer, you got to, like, do the work yourself. And just seeing you, like, let in that love and oh, y'all are just so cute. Like, I, when I tell you that, like, I'm so happy for y'all, it's like, Something about seeing you not put your wall up yeah. is healing for me. It's so funny. Other people have said that. They're like, I can they like I can see you not Yeah. You know, being typical Nikita. Yeah. So And it's so damn cute. I can't believe I'm talking about this on the air. Wow. Cut That's it. a risk. Cut it. You are not cutting I'm this, not, Nikita. I'm not. Cause every like I you know, I do have a tendency. Um, to keep things very close. This episode will be 14 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to say, you know, I'd be like Edward Scissorhand on the episode. <laughs> chop, chop, chop. Um, hmm. I don't have any more risks. What's what's a risk? What are some risks that you've taken that you've been proud of yourself for taking? Befriending a short? <laughs> Didn't know how that would turn out? And alas, here we are. Yowza. <laughs> <laughs> Not Yowza. <laughs> Um, uh, you're just also a risk taking ass bit, so you probably just got a Rolodex flipping through your head right now. No, I was actually thinking, I don't think I've taken risks. <laughs> Why? I don't know what this extra I is. I don't know. It's making it's me a, uncomfortable. It's a weird word. <laughs> risks. Like multiple risks. Okay. <laughs> um, I can't think of any. I feel like, uh, 
I just lead a very safe, predictable. Oh my god, life. this is this is not even close to true. It is. What I haven't taken a risk. I think that I didn't wear a bra. <laughs> I'm more a, a crop top instead. <laughs> That's like the riskiest thing I've done in a while. I think that <laughs> your I feel like your whole like PhD experience is a risk. I feel like your that program that you were in was. It was it doesn't fucking count. It was awful and it was terrible. And you still continued. I mean, I feel like we're going to keep referencing this Alexis Pauline Gums interview until the day we <laughs> die. But it's how she was talking about it. it's a risk, you know, to stay in the yeah. academy and to like try to live outside of it. And it wasn't just like, it was like, oh, I don't know if this program is like working out for me. I don't know if I want to do this. But they were like actively gunning for you, pushing you. They pushed me they out. Pushed, right? They shoved you out of that fucking yeah. department. And you said, and you, and in spite of all of that, or, you know, on some level, because of it, you're like, I'm still going to, I'm still wild enough to try to continue to be a therapist. Because it's been hell. I know it has it been. It has. Um, and you could have stopped. You have your master's. You could have stopped. But you were like, come hell, come high water, and by the grace of the ancestors, I'm going to take the risk and still try to do this. Yeah, because I just am, uh, like, always thinking of the road behind me. Yeah. And it's like, if I allow them to push me out, then then that sets a precedent for them, like, to be able to do it to, like, every black lesbian who traipses her happy ass through here. And um, I don't know. Like, I, I think a lot about, like, you need you need the... The credentials to sign them fucking papers, mm-hmm. you know, at the end mm-hmm. of the day. And it's, like, part of the reason why, like, my road has been so hard is because, like, there's nobody who's, like, I get exactly what you're doing, girl. Come here, let me right, sign that right, form. Right. And so if I could be that person for, like, somebody exactly. else. Exactly. Like, if not me, who? Maybe I'm just thinking, like, I don't want that to be the, the great risk of my life. You so know? I don't think it's the greatest risk of your life, but it's one that I can immediately recall in your life. This is me... Looking at your life through my lens of how I understand risk. Mm-hmm. And I think that you do a lot of things that are risky. Like the fact that you were doing this podcast by yourself, telling all, you know, all these things that are um, personal and sharing that with people who you don't know. Bitch, that shit is risky. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But you're just like, oh, whatever. Just just a Thursday. Because <laughs> I'm like, uh, I, I, I titled this shit Queer Women of Color. Right. So I'm like... <laughs> I already, I already know who I'm talking to, so. But still. You're right. You know, I was thinking about, um, I don't know. The, I, I told uh, Queen this the other day, and I was like, don't think I'm a weirdo. But, like, I have this, like, scrapbook, right? And I was flipping through it the other day because uh, last week I was in my feelings. And I saw that, like, I've only known Janicia and Queen for, like, a year and a half, two years. Mm-hmm. And... I was like, oh my gosh, like that wasn't that long ago. Like I first met them at the Pod and Live right. event, the first one. And who did you know? And you just happened to nobody bus and took your ass I, down there. I was just like, oh yeah, I'm going. Because like womanist race nerds, like of I was, course. you know, and like that has that has completely transformed like right. my my experience of Syracuse, like getting through this, yeah, yeah. like thing podcasting for me uh you know I, and that was where like i met lena and stephanie yeah like i met shout out to bad Sam, you know like the, inner, the hoes from inner whole uprising like just like being able to make that community was a risk yeah and and i wanted like i mean y'all can see the the like uh consistency has greatly improved i wanted 
to like give up so many times with the podcast and right. I just kept with it. You I was act, like, yeah. <sighs> yeah. So Bitch, you be taking risks. I just, I guess I just don't feel like those are risks yeah. because those are um, so, expressions yeah. of my extrovertedness. Yeah, yeah. It's just like so me to do that. But sure. maybe, maybe my like safe zone is so risky that I didn't even realize it was a risk I anymore. think so. Well, that's yeah. like next level shit. So. I think queer work listeners should tell us what are they going to, what are they going to do in the, with the new moon? What risks are they going to, risks, are they going to take? And what are some mm-hmm. risks that they're proud of that they have taken uh, this year? Oh, yeah. Because the year is winding down. Winding like, if you want to reflect on some risks that you've taken. <laughs> and please put the extra SKs <laughs> into the risk when you share your it's, risk with it's us. It's like SKS. Risks. Yeah. Okay. That's weird. <laughs> um. Yeah. All right. Ooh. So now we're gonna move it on along to curved chronicles. We're gonna move it on to what? Curved, 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 curved. curved. <laughs> and so, for those of you who might be new to the pod, uh, curved chronicles are where we talk about the woes and the wins of dating as queer walks. Um, you can feel free to submit yours because I'm sure that your dating life is infinitely more popping than mine. Um, at QueerWalkPod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you've just been gushing about um, your relationship. Mm-hmm. Would you like to continue? I, th- I think I've said enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've said enough for um, the next three years. Let's just hope it, it stays in after she edits. Because y'all know how Nikita right. <laughs> 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 just cuts, cuts the content. Um, I don't have anything to say in Kirk Chronicles. <laughs> I have to say is I am, um, I have this ice box where my heart used okay, to be. Okay, Omarion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't have nothing for Curve Chronicles. All right, so this is, again, why it's important for you to share with us. So when I am ready to be tight-lipped and because money's heart is on uh, Frozen, we need to hear from you at QueerWalkPod at gmail.com. Send us your dating woes and wins. Actually, I do have something to say in the Curved Chronicles. <laughs> I just want to thank everybody who said that tripping was... Oh, my. Uh, wait, let me enunciate. Because not trib- not to be confused with tribbing. A sex act. <laughs> tripping. Like, trip, 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 tripping on you. <laughs> or tripping. tripping you. Tripping. Um, it is good. I, I wanted to read this because I thought it was hilarious. Toya sent it to me. Okay, so somebody uh wrote this post and it made me laugh out loud. So, uh, the post says <laughs> the worst part about trying to date women is that I don't have my mother's warnings. There is no indicator if I am doing it right or wrong. And so, my queer friends and the spoken word artists in New York are my teachers, and they know the formula. And somebody commented. I'm pretty sure it was Toya. (laughs) Or you could just use the sound advice that an experienced lesbian gave melanated money and trip whoever you're you're interested in. I really feel it in my soul of souls that it would really, really work. I I don't. I I just want to keep continue to go on record 
saying, I think that the tripping idea is a very bad idea. I, I'm just going to put up a poll. If you agree that tripping would be an effective... I, I think this is terrible. I, I think just, that there are a lot of ER co-pays, insurances. I just I don't think it's a sound decision. You have to figure out if they have health insurance first. Not near any, like, ledges or cliffs oh or stairs. So don't trip your boo in the Grand Canyon or your potential <laughs> boo, I should say. This is fucking terrible. You know, flat surface, flat terrain. You know? All right. So if you are in the uh, central part of the country, in the in the Great Plains, uh, you're in some sort of tripping paradise, I assume. <laughs> yeah. On the real, that that person's like initial comment about there not being any like warnings, warnings or like blueprints. Yeah. yeah, it's tough. I think you know that's what that's what created this um segment. So yeah. All right. Want to wrap it up? I think that's the show. All right. Bye, y'all. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.